stirred up in my spirit uh, this morning. And, of course, I've been stirred. I'm always stirred. Glory to God. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and open them to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. <laughs> God is a good God. Amen. And as you turn there, I want to read something to you to open the service today. Um, I, I didn't know when or how that I would begin the process of articulating things he's been saying to me that are about to hit planet Earth. And... Um, but for this body, he's released me to talk about one thing this morning, and I'm grateful for it because he, yesterday morning in the back room, before we stepped out to the service I was in Washington, D.C. helping with and so forth, uh, the word of the Lord came to me. And uh, I wasn't sure if it was premature to share it, and it may be that it is, and so I don't know that I'll share that today. But there is the essence of what I'm going to share with you today in that word that I got yesterday morning. He's continuing to talk to me about it. And it is going to be one awesome time. You are going to be so glad you are alive on this planet. Amen. You and I were handpicked for this moment. Amen. Glory be to God. And um, now some of this I will not read because it's very personal. And it has to do with some things he's told us we've stepped into now after these years of faithfulness in ministry. And so it applies to every partner and every person that's attached to our ministry on any level because the anointing flows to everybody that's attached. I said the anointing flows to everybody that's attached. But because there's some things he said to me personally and about time frames and things that will even happen next year, uh, it's not time to release it, and I don't know that I should make it public, and I will never do that unless he tells me I can. However, what I am to decree to you are a couple of things today that I just since the anointing just dropped on me to, to, to share it, so I know I'm, oh, it's okay. Hallelujah. Amen. I was awakened and have been. Uh, well, of course, that's the way the Lord's dealt with me over the years. There have been an, any number of times that right at daylight, the Lord will wake me up and say something specific to me. And, um, and it's not always exactly the same time, but it does happen in a pattern. Now, this was October the 5th, and in this particular uh, time that the Lord spoke to me, I wasn't awakened at daylight. It's a little bit unusual. I was already up and whatever, but I kept having the urgency, even though the day was busy and things were needing to be done. He kept saying, I want you to take a little time with me this morning. And uh, not that I don't every day. But, you know, days can be pressing. You can have early appointments and all of those kind of things. You understand. I mean, everybody understands. We live a real life, right? And, uh, and so sometimes you have to hear his voice, especially if it's still in small, and pull away, even though things are pressing. Amen. And so this morning, it was not this morning, but this particular morning I'm talking about, October the 5th of 2022. So now we're... We're talking about uh, a little over a month ago. The word of the Lord came to me. And just as clear as a bell, he said to me in a time frame with him, he said, you've only just begun. Oh, glory be to God. 
In other words, I knew in my spirit he was saying to me, all the combined years, effort, seed, praying, believing, uh, walking, staying faithful, being challenged by the devil, breaking through, believing me for not stopping short, all of it. I knew he was saying to me, very specifically, you've only just begun. That everything your whole life has been about is to prepare you for this moment. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. (laughs) Glory be to God. And it's not that great things haven't happened. Great things have happened all over the world and many eternal things. And a lot of people are going to heaven because they're now in heaven because we've lied and preached to them all over the world. So that's not negating any of that. You just have to understand that there's something the Lord really wants to get across to us, and that is an awakening, a revelation, a peeling back to the awareness of why you're sitting in that chair at this moment in the history, the prophetic time clock of God's plan for the planet and the ages. You are not here to suck air, take up space, and do your own thing. And if anything happens uh, in our lifetime, there has to come an awakening. You have to awaken to purpose and the reason why you make certain choices. Because it's a day-to-day journey, and you have to make the same choice every day to show up. Glory to God. And then one day suddenly, bam, it happens. But you have to, you, but, but part of that is, part of that journey is showing God you trust Him. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a now I know moment, and it's not on your end, it's on God's end. Let me try that over here. See, there's a now I know moment. And, and, and I'm not talking about the now I, oh, now I know. I'm not talking about it on your end. I'm talking about Abraham who took Isaac up to Mount Moriah and after everything he had journeyed through, he was not yet qualified until whatever that process and steps of faith did in his heart developed him till he could become something. And when he got to the place in his heart, he was willing to raise that knife God said, now I know. Now I know that I can put the full weight of what I promised the future of the earth on your obedience. And we are now the seed of Abraham. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And today, I want, I want to continue because this will all fit under the umbrella of the assignment now of why. Because if we don't understand this with deep, I'm talking about deep roots down. I'm talking about way down. I'm talking about hammer, jackhammer deep into the depth of the taproot of our soul. We're never going to treat this as anything other than just another teaching. So until I'm through with it, and I'll know when I'm through of this phase, I won't be through with the series. I'll just be through with the cornerstone of the beginning place to stand on to start in this series. So I want to keep talking to you about why righteousness. Glory be to God. (laughs) And the only place really to start is with Abraham, of course. 
But the, the point is, is that Genesis 18, 19 says that I know this. I've chosen him because I know this man. Now, this is before he walked it out and showed God. Understand, there's a difference between believing something and the corresponding action that backs up that you really believe it. And where more people miss it than any other arena is the corresponding action because they never truly get to the place spiritually where they don't, they're not waiting for God to still do something. Let me try that again. See, fully persuaded faith knows it's finished. Now it's time for you to do something. Amen? That's the now I know moment on God's end. He already knew what was inside of Abraham's heart, but that still didn't mean he didn't need to walk it out. Amen. Yeah, glory be to God. And so, you know, a lot of people, I'll give you an example. Here's an example. The example is the way we interpret things because of our false demon doctrine of the sovereignty of God. We have little to no revelation that man has a free will and he's been granted dominion and authority and based upon his choices or how things are going to turn out. And we don't even realize, even in our lives, how much of that has bled into our faith confessions and everything because when we keep God in the future and we keep waiting on God to do something, what it is is it's still those threads hanging around of that false demon doctrine of eternal security or sovereignty that, you know, in this process, there's an appointed time. In this process, there's a, no, the, the appointed time has come and gone. Jesus was nailed to a tree. He's risen again today, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it is finished. Now it's time for us to understand we're under a, a new covenant. Glory to God. A blood-bought covenant where all the promises of God are yes today. So let us go up at once and take the land. Until you can get the spirit of faith in you that you say, I'm ready to do it now, then there's not the preparedness. Now, I'm I'm obviously in an arena where there's a lot of truths I'm shooting out like this, like the spokes of a wagon wheel, and we may not get to every one of them in the Word today, but let me just give you an idea of what the gospel does for you. Ephesians 6 talks about it. It talks about the end of time, and and you say, well, the end of time, does it really? Is that what? Yes, because the Apostle Paul, writing to the churches, was imparting to the churches what would establish them to stand every test that would be thrown at them. When you read this, when you read, I'm going to read you something out of Ephesians 6. Well, that's for the church at Ephesus. But each church he would talk to, given their particular cultural influence and things he noticed about their decisions when he was there with them preaching, not every church was talked to the same. Not every people group were talked to the same. If you don't believe that, read the book of Revelation and see if Jesus, in speaking to the seven churches, talked to every church the same. But he did talk to every one of them about repenting. And he did talk to every one of them about making adjustments. And he did talk to every one of them about standing and holding fast, lest someone take your crown. These are New Testament churches spoken to by the resurrected Lord. He talked to the church of Philadelphia about an open door 
And that's really what I want to talk to you about. 2023, the year of an open heaven. Glory be to God. He keeps talking to me about this, and I'm going to read to you something about it in a second. But let me just get here along these lines first. Uh, and it's that, it's that idea, that doctrine that we don't realize is bled into our lives that back us off. It's, con it's confusing and compromising our conscience to boldly and aggressively, by fully persuaded faith, go for it in the midst of all opposition. See, that's the key. You've got to be so sure it belongs to you that it doesn't matter if anybody agrees with you. Because God's on your side. And if God be for you, who could be against you? Once you get so settled, God told you to do it, what does it matter? Right? God's for you. Woo, glory be to God. That's one of the number one things that righteousness and a revelation of will do in your heart. God, if God be for me, then who can successfully be my enemy? And uh, I was meditating on this the other day, and the Lord pointed out something to me, and it's really interesting the way it's written. And uh, I was meditating on it because I got into it in a teaching format uh, because I went a particular line to a, in a service in the office of, you know, seeing in the prophetic, and I'll get to teaching along, and I'll see something that needs to be addressed, so I'll just go address it uh, as the Lord instructs. And sometimes it doesn't come out as thus saith the Lord. It fixes things in the church while I'm teaching. And one of those was dealing with Judas. Because if you don't ever get the question answered, did God specifically prophesy, then create Judas and choose him to betray the Lord to fulfill the plan? Yeah, well, you know in here he didn't. Because you know he's not willing that any should perish. You know that we're to preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth is baptized should be saved. He that believeth not should be damned. So in here you know it, but you don't know enough scripture to validate because the way it reads, it sure looks like that the scripture might be fulfilled that Judas did this. And it's because of that that there's this mixture of thinking that there's some element of foreknowledge that's really, this it's kind of like the Matrix. You know, you go see a movie and you like it. And you like it because Hollywood is spewing the false doctrine of the church. <laughs> you know, hey. <laughs> there is time travel, but it's called translation. So there's the real and there's the fake. There's astral projection, but that's called going to the third heaven. Yes, sir. Demons don't have any truth to show you. Yes, and you get to messing out there without the word and knowing the laws that govern it, you're in big trouble, friend. And that's why people get all goofy. Because they know so little of the word, but then they get baptized in the Holy Ghost and spiritual things start happening and they start putting their own ideas on it. And there's real laws that govern that realm. Heaven has its own economy and its own language and all of that. And you don't learn that in one 15-minute feel-good sermon. You learn that by following on to know the Lord. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And this deal with God is this, is that, you know, you can have foreknowledge of something. I mean, you, you can stand on top of a, of a building, you yourself. And if from that vantage point, you could look down and see roads crossing and you can see cars barreling toward an intersection. 
Maybe somebody over here is running from the police and sirens are blaring and they're coming this way. And somebody's walking out of a store with a grocery bag and they're about to cross the road this way and around the corner they can't see what's coming. But from your vantage point, you can see that both of those tracks, if one or the other doesn't change their direction, we're going to have us a tragedy. Now here's my point. So that lady, when the groceries go up in the air and she's hit by this car being chased by the police and we have this great catastrophe and you're up on the balcony and you happen to sip a cup of coffee that morning and you're looking down at the streets of New York City or Chicago or you're in some city where this could happen and you're looking down and wham, it happens right in front of you. Oh, I saw that coming. My question is just because you had foreknowledge, knowledge beforehand that could happen, did you cause it? You need to get a clue that God in the hub of eternity can see everything before it happens. He's already told you if you stay on this track, you're a dead man. Or if you stay on this track, you'll have abundant life. That shouldn't be strange to people that have a brain. But Satan has blinded so many people. He said, I said before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. You choose life. Now what's hard to understand about God wants you to live when he told you to choose life. And what's hard to understand that if you don't choose life, you die and it's not God's fault. So stop blaming God on the mess. Because he didn't create it. Sin did. When man fell, he let a terrorist loose in this earth. And he'll kill you at every opportunity he can get. We are to resist him at all costs. And we're not to feel defeated by collateral damage as long as we've stood. Because we're not judged by the natural things. We're judged by our heart. And I am so grateful. I'm so grateful he keeps good books. And I'm going to stand before him one day and hear, well done. And it's not based on all the goofy decisions the people in my congregation made. Based upon where I told you the truth or not. Yes, Amen. 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 Where I loved him enough to feed the sheep. Right. Glory, be to Glory be to God. When you read this, it's so clear that God didn't create the devil. No, Isaiah 54 says so. Isaiah 54 says, I, I created the waster to destroy, or that destroys, which means he created Lucifer. Lucifer became the devil. And the reason there's no redemption for him is he created sin. So he's God's arch enemy and always will be. And there's no hope for him. So you don't want to get on his side. You don't want him to be your spiritual father. Amen. Well, the same is true with, uh, and this is really important information. In fact, I just feel led to go here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go here for a minute. Praise the Lord. Um, I know we're, we're, we're going to Hebrews 11. I promise this is about why righteousness. This is actually about why righteousness. You're going to understand. Why righteousness here? But let's, let's just deal with this and settle this issue so that we can begin to get our heart fixed and our conscience clear to be able to fully and totally and absolutely, unreservedly, fully persuaded, go after God and know this will work for us. It may not have worked for people around us, but that doesn't have anything to do with it working for me. Glory be to God. 
I said, glory be to God. And I want you to see this. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke. And uh, this is really important because I think it'll help you. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 16, chapter 6, excuse me, Luke chapter 6. And I want you to notice what it says here. It says in verse 12, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. So he prayed about this. Right? And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and one of the, and of them, of them he chose twelve. Do you see this? Whom he also named apostles. Now he starts naming them here. Simon, whom he also surnamed Peter. Uh, Andrew's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon uh, called Zelotes, Judas, the brother of James, and who else? Judas. Now look at the King James. Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Now that's not the way the Greek reads, and of course this is old King James, and uh, I could go deep into that. I don't need to go deep into that. I'll just use the Amplified Classic to bear it out. Fair enough? Let's read it in the Amplified Classic, and it'll show you what the Greek actually says. Let's read it right here. It says in verse 16, And Judas, Amplified Classic, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He wasn't that when he chose him. Oh, come on now. He was not that when he chose him. He became that. He became a treacherous, a basely, look, faithless. See, people don't understand in the kingdom, you can't please God without faith. So when a believer pulls back and stops believing, they become treasonous to the kingdom. They begin to side with God's enemy. Understand this. This is so critically important. I hope you read the last two partner letters that we sent out, and you should have just gotten an electronic copy. But the bottom line is this. Matthew 6 says, no man can serve two masters. So you need to get real clear about something as a believer. There is no middle ground in this. See, that's the problem. Our world is so skewed with all their ideas and opinions and political lines and bipartisan issues and won't you come across the aisle and meet us? No, I will not cross the aisle and shake hands with the devil. I will not. And it doesn't make me intolerant. It makes me righteous. Doesn't mean I love them any less. Jesus loved them. He loved every one of them except for Jesus loving me. Where am I? I'm going to split hell wide open. I don't, I don't feel superior. In fact, I'm very aware I had to be crucified. I've got a clue there's nothing good in me. Even Jesus said, when they said, good master, Jesus, our Lord, said, why are you calling me good? There's none good but one, that's God. If our Lord, if that's his attitude, and who do we Christians think we are that I just don't understand why God let this happen to me? 
especially in the end times, when the law of sin and death has come to full manifestation of fruit. We better get the law of righteousness to full manifestation of fruit to deal with this thing. And then we're going to see some Goshen's in Egypt. Some personal exoduses out of the time. The word's coming to pass. He's just looking for a people that'll do it. Amen. 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 Glory to God. So Judas was not made to betray the Lord. God didn't create him to fall and betray the Lord and to fulfill Scripture. I'm going to say some things to you that are really going to help you here out of the Scripture, all right? For example, I'll use Joseph as an example. People used to tell me, it used to bother me, and I didn't know why it bothered me until the Lord got a hold of me one day, and I said, God, you're going to have to show me, why does this bother my spirit so much? When they would talk about God's plan with Joseph and how the great plan of God, and man, it makes for great preaching to an emotional crowd that's gone through a bunch of, because <clears throat> now they're so dogged, sorry, feel terrible about themselves and all they've been through. Well, there's hope for me, you know, like it was God's plan. No, it wasn't God's plan for Joseph to go to prison. It wasn't God's plan for Potiphar's wife to lust after him. It wasn't God's plan for his brothers to try to kill him and then decide they got greedy and sell him into slavery. If I believe that that was the acting out of God's perfect will, then I have to, I have no choice but to believe God was the one that authored that murder in Joseph's brother's hearts. I don't believe that. God's not a murderer. The scripture says he cannot be tempted with evil and he won't tempt any man. So either... God's orchestrating this great sovereign plan and created Joseph to be great and all his brothers so that we can have a more majestic story to be worthless, faithless people or something else happened. There was a huge plan for God's covenant people to be carried into what God had for them and there was an arch enemy that would do everything he could to stop it. And if he could find somebody that would agree with him and, and have their own agenda and own emotions and everything else, they would stand right smack in God's way. And if you don't believe it, he had to work that out of Peter. Because Peter, the very one that got a revelation, the Tower of the Christ, the Son of the living God, in the same service, when he got something else revealed to him, couldn't go there. His soul wouldn't let him go there. He had too much self-preservation which is why Jesus told him you're going to deny me because he saw that spirit about him. He had too much drawback, too much scaredy cat, too much, what about me? And Jesus saw that in him. He said, oh, no, Lord, pity yourself. Look what you're going to have to do when he revealed to him the plan. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now the Lord had just been talking to Peter. He just transferred the keys of the kingdom to him. And minutes later... The devil, he hears from the devil in the same meeting and thinks it's God talking to him? Has the right to stand in the presence of the Lord, grab him by the lapels, and think, now i got some revelation. That revelation must have made me the boss of all these disciples, and I'm Jesus' advisor now. He wasn't worried about Jesus. He just got the keys. He's going to run the, he's going to run the, he's going to run the ship. Why do you think there's all these jokes about when you meet St. Peter at the gate? Because people know little or nothing about the way the kingdom works, and they just take that out and make a joke out of it. 
Well, I got news for you. Peter's not the one you're going to meet at the gate. <laughs> any, more than G, any more than the wise men came to that little manger you're going to see this Christmas season. <laughs> Scripture doesn't say that at all. It says any righteous man is going to get his family in a house, and Joseph did. And it says when the, by the time the wise men got there, Jesus was about two years old, and those wise men came into the house. Yes. Wise men were never at the manger with the oxen lowing and Silent night. Uh, it's a church made up thing so that we can get our agenda done so we can beat the Baptist to the cafeteria. We got to give 15 minutes to the kids, so we got to put them all at the scene. Make it happen in 15 minutes. Is that not the truth? It's like I say every once in a while about the Bible. Read the Bible. It's a good book. You might learn something. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let, let me just follow this track a little bit because I, I I, I'm on the way to righteousness, you know. But understand that when I preach this, you're going to have to make a choice to submit to it and believe it. Or you're never going to have it. And if we don't understand the value of it and treat it like another message, we will never fully rely and get our life built on it. And it is the foundation necessary for this hour of human history. It's the thing that's going to build your ark of safety and mine. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And so uh, let's look at this real quick. We happen to be in the Gospel of Luke anyway. Well, let's look at, at what actually did happen here. Uh, in Luke chapter 21, I believe it is. Glory be to God, it might be 22, let me find it. Yeah, yeah, Luke 22, excuse me. It says, um, verse 28, let's read it here. It says, you are they, Jesus is talking now to the disciples, you are they which have continued with me in my temptations. Now, I, I want to know, is there anybody in the house that has some spiritual fortitude about them? Because Jesus is about to say something that will rock your world if you'll believe it. Yes, sir. Oh, let's go. Are you ready? Yes, sir. You are they that have continued with me in my temptations. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me just. The whole, holy, yeah, well, the Holy Ghost is, he's up to something here. I can feel it. I can sense it. We have help in the room. Anybody sense the presence of God in the room? Uh, we're, we're coming back. He wants me to deal with something here before we get to the, we're cutting down some underbrush before we get to the trunk of the tree, okay? Hold your finger right there in Luke 22 and go with me to Revelation 1. Oh, glory be to God. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> oh, thank you, Father. Revelation chapter 1, let's read, let's starting in verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep the things that are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now, I want to I take that verse right there, and I want to tell you what the Lord said to me October the 5th quickly, and then we'll come right back to it, okay? The Lord said, you've only just begun. 
Then the next phrase was, this is the time I have been waiting on. Oh, glory be to God. This is the time I have been waiting on. You have entered a season, a time of great restoration. He said, great restoration. He said, great joy. He said, you must not mourn over lost opportunities of the past. He said, the mourning attaches one to death and decay, loss and grief. This is not the hour for grief. This is the hour of harvest. There's great joy in the harvest. He didn't mean there wouldn't going to be a whole lot of things around us to fall into grief about. He meant we got to resist grief. Because no matter what's happening around us, His Word is true. And we're not going to let that Spirit get a hold of us. Glory to God. Glory to God. I am so glad that the law of the life of Spirit of Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. I am so glad that we of all people have hope that we are not strangers from the commonwealth of Israel or the covenants of promise, that all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen to everybody in the room today. And the very resurrected Lord is in this room to see to it that what He promised you will come to pass. Now, He's not backing out of His agreement. Are you going to back out on it is the question. And he said, he said this, restoration of lost opportunities. I'm going to say it again. Restoration of lost opportunities. He said it begins now and will explode into 2023. He said more harvest, and he's talking to me now, more harvest, but see, this is personal. He's having me deliver it, so now you need to make it personal. He said more harvest than you can gather by yourself. Glory be to God. He said to me, more opportunities than you can take care of, can take advantage of in the natural by yourself. And then this is he saying to me now, and this is where you come in now. This is why it belongs to you. He said, many will benefit from the breakthrough. Are you going to benefit from the breakthrough? Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You do know you can benefit from somebody else's breakthrough. You do realize that when you're attached to somebody, what comes on them can come on you. That's the idea. It's why Jesus did what he did. He broke through and got the crease, and we benefited from it. We benefited from his breakthrough. We benefited from his victory. We benefited from his life. We benefited from his anointing. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Glory be to God. That anointing was on Joshua. It was on Moses. The people benefited from what Moses was carrying. The people benefited from what Joshua was carrying. God does that on purpose. It's the way he does it. What about the people in the shipwreck with Paul? They would have certainly died, but they benefited from being on the boat with Paul. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And he said many will benefit from the breakthrough. From your heavenly breakthrough and the open heavens 2023, the year of an open heaven. Glory to God. And he started talking to me about some things that are going to happen in 23. Woo! 
glory be to God. But one of them is, and it already started, he said, the opening of the nations will unfold to thee. Glory to God. I'm telling you, the earth is available to be harvested on the prophetic time clock of God. And there's more harvest than you can gather by yourself. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Now that being said, let's look at Revelation because he said, he said, for the time is at hand. Well, if the time was at hand 2,000 years ago, do you think it's at hand now? See, the, our problem is we read this and think, well, I don't know much about the book of Revelation. You know, I just don't really read it that much. I don't. But the scripture says, blessed is the man that reads it. Blessed is the man that understands it. And the scripture says by verse 19 of this very chapter, I've come to talk to you about things which were, things which are, and things which shall be. So not all of the book of Revelation is future. You need to understand, in the book of Revelation, there's a revelation of things that have been, a revelation of things that are happening, and a revelation of things that are going to happen. And the body of Christ will get clued in to the plan if they will get a revelation of what God said about it. Which means the time is at hand. What does that mean? Well, he's not saying that, oh, the seventh trump has sounded and everybody go run for cover because the star wormwood's going to fall on the earth and everything's going to collapse. No, I'm out of here before that. I, I said, I'm out of here before that happens. It's not the time for that to happen. And you, you'll see that the reason we've got the spirit of Antichrist pushing so hard is because he's trying to abort what we're in the earth to do, which is hold him back till the time. He's advancing in arenas. The body of Christ has given him place he does not belong in. He's pushing the time clock up best he could. He's tried it generationally again and again. You can go through history and you can see some military leader, some madman gets full of the devil like Hitler or somebody, and he's trying to take over the world. It's just that now it's on steroids. Now they have drones chasing you down the streets of China. They can identify where you live saying, put on your mask, put on your mask, put on your mask. We live in a different day. And you better realize the stakes have been raised. Glory be to God. So the time is at hand. I said the time is at hand. And what does the time is at hand mean? It means that every generation, every situation has been spoken about in Scripture, and it may not be the time for a third of the earth to be destroyed by a massive what We're out of here. The rapture is going to happen before that. So it's not time for that yet, but it is time for some things to happen, not only in the earth, but it is time for some things to happen for you. The time is at hand for you to have yours. Glory be to God. The time is at hand for it to go to work for you. The time is now for you to get restored for great joy, for you to get your head up and stop messing with what's going on out here. Time is at hand for that. For the body of Christ to throw their shoulders back, get their face up, and realize the harvest is white, it's mine, and I have authority to reap it. Amen. I said amen. amen. So she said, the time's at hand. Well, praise the Lord. So as we read down, it says this. <clears throat> he says, verse 5, let's just start at verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, 
who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth. Woo! That be me. He's the king of kings. That be me he's talking about. My Lord is the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us. Now he just described who the kings of the earth are, us. Woo! Us. Now Jesus in resurrected power is visiting the apostle John on Patmos and he just called us kings. Glory be to God. Who are the kings? The ones that are washed from our own sins in his own blood. Are you washed? We're a kingdom of priests unto God. Are you cleansed? Are you a new creature? Are you the righteousness of God in Christ? Then the book of Revelation has a whole lot to say about you. (laughs) The time is at hand, and I'm the answer for the time. (laughs) Woo! Say it, the time is at hand, and I'm the answer for the times. Glory be to God. That's why I live. That's why I'm alive. Notice what it says in verse 6. Let's just read it on down. I'll just read it off the monitor here. You can follow with me. He's made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he comes in the clouds. And every eye shall see him. Even they which pierced him. And all negrete mechikiri bafratebekedeshkili buundre deshivadishi. You just going to get some revelation here. We're two thousand years from the generation that pierced him. Yes, we are. I'm telling you, when he comes, <laughs> see, you may think, well, but that's two thousand years ago. They're in the grave. No, no, they're not dead. It's just that they weren't born again. They're in an ugly place awaiting their eternal incarceration. And when he appears, they're going to see him. And the dead in Christ. We which are alive and remain shall not prevent them which are asleep. But the dead in Christ shall rise first. And he's not talking about the church he used to go to. <laughs> He's talking about folks in graves. Pop, 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 pop. I told him one day at a graveside service, I said, man, it's going to look like Oval Redenbacher out here on that day. Just boom, 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 boom. I mean, you know, you that bag, you know, you put it in the oven and the pot, pop, 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 and that foil starts popping out, you know. Ooh, it's going to be faster than that. In the twinkling of an eye, the trump of the archangel is going to, sh- going to blow. Glory to God. Ooh. And the Lord is going to descend with a shout. And we which are alive and remain shall not prevent them which are asleep. But the dead in Christ shall rise first. Pop, 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 pop. Boom, 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 boom. Sod's going to be flying everywhere. Woo! I'm going to see it. Because I'm going to be on one side or the other. I'm either coming out the ground or going up watching them. You know what I said? One of the things I said, I sure hope I'm around a bunch of sinners when that happens. Because on the way, I'm going to grab one in each hand. And on the way up, I'm going to ask him, do you repent now or do I let go? 
Glory be to God. Glory be to God. <laughs> Woo! I tell you, I've been having such personal resurrections in my time with the Lord. I'm having to wear suspenders to church just so I'll stay on the ground. Thank you, Lord. I'm telling you, this it's time. The time's at hand. I said the time's at hand. The time's at hand. This is not the glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Look what it says. Now they took my scripture down. Got to keep my scripture up now. Behold, he cometh with the clouds. Every eye shall see him. Every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. Hallelujah. You know what that means, don't you? That means everybody that's in the grave is not dead. If they're in Christ, they're seeing stuff. Woo, don't you know if you had a loved one that just stepped over, they're seeing some stuff. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. But everybody's on the earth that sees us leave. Oh. Oh. Don't you know that's going to be a day? <laughs> they shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. You want to be ready. I said, you want to be ready? Glory to God. Look at verse 8 quickly here. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and was and is to come, the Almighty. Now look at this. Now look what John says. I, John, also am your brother. I'm your companion in tribulation, in the kingdom and in the patience mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ. Do you see it? Yes, sir. Nobody gets a real full kingdom benefit unless they're followers of those who, through faith and patience, have inherited the promises. Because in this world you have much tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Persecutions and afflictions that came against me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, Paul said, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. You got to keep your eyes fixed on the end. But if you can see the outcome with the eye of faith, you won't compromise in the fight. Because Jesus has the keys. Now the point I want to make is Hebrews says very clearly he's a high priest. He's touched with the feelings of our weaknesses and infirmities. And it says he's able to succor. Well, that's an interesting old James James. It means help. It means comfort and help and, 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 you know, them that are tempted. Paul said, don't think it's strange. Oh, Peter actually said that. Don't think it's strange concerning this affliction that's coming at you. It's coming to everybody in the earth. Paul said it a little differently. He said... That there is no temptation that has taken you, but such as common to man. But in that, it said God will always, say always, always, provide a way of escape. That means he will bring you out to a landing place on the other side of that temptation, on the other side of that struggle. There's a landing place for every one of you and me. Why? Because he is the one that's with us right in the fire. He's the one. He's the one. There's a fourth man in that fire. You are never alone. I'm telling you, the Lord's helping us right now. He's helping us. Now, you say, well, why would he take us this way? You know, you're preaching on righteousness, and you're spending most of the time dealing with this issue. 
Because the issue I'm dealing with, the condition people get in when tribulation and temptation and trials come at them is because they have no revelation of righteousness. If you have a revelation of righteousness, it'll hold you. No matter what comes at you, no weapon formed against you will prosper. You'll be built on such a rock. <laughs> Your conscience gets clear. Your heart gets fixed and stable. And you know, it don't matter. None of this defines me. This is not my identity. I didn't fail because I'm emotionally down this morning. Because I may have emotions, but I'm not an emotion. I may have feelings, but I'm not a feeling. I'm a child of the Most High God. I am a spirit. And my spirit is washed. My spirit is filled. My spirit is sanctified. My spirit is redeemed. That's who I am. When I check out of here, my body's going to go bloop. But don't make no mistake about it. I'll still be talking. I'll still be hearing. I'll still be seeing. I'll still be walking. I'll still be feeling. And I'll be over in that other realm, maybe for a little while, before I even know I left my body. Yeah, I'll tell them, Lord. A lot of people, if they've never had this experience, they just, they just don't know. I, I was so many years in the ministry, and uh, I began gradually, I mean, through life and experience, yeah, I'll do that too. I'll do that too. Praise the Lord. Look, let me show you something here about your walk with God real quickly, by the Holy Ghost. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13, I believe it is, in the Amplified Classic. Please believe, bring it up in the Amplified Classic. I believe I've got the right scripture. I'll know immediately when you bring it up. Otherwise, I'll go find it. Proverbs 3, 13, Amplified Classic. That's it right there. I want you to look how you walk with God. Happy, blessed, fortunate, enviable is the man that finds skillful and godly wisdom. Now look, a man who gets understanding, how do you get it? Drawing it forth from what? God's Word and. God's Word and. See, if the Word doesn't work in your experience, it wasn't the Word. It won't produce wisdom. You understand? Yes, sir. Your life is a proving out that the word works. Yeah. Amen. And you learn some things through life's experiences yes, sir. because you have opposition. That's right. Now, the experience isn't the teacher. The word is. That's the biggest open door to false doctrine that exists is to try to learn who God is through your experience. No, God is who the word says he is. Either your experience will cause you to get offended at the word and pull back and you experience what people do with no covenant or you stand on the word and prove that the word will change your experience. That's right. But the experience isn't the teacher, the word is. Amen. I mean, I know a lot of folks that have been through so much and you watch them make the next decision and you realize they've been through all that and they ain't learned yet. Experience can't teach you how to come out. The, 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 the word is not designed to be interpreted through experience. I've got a footnote in uh, 
And I said footnotes, personal footnote. I think I'm just going to have to come out with my own Bible or something. I got so much written in here now. I'm going to have to do some kind of a <laughs> and do some. You have a Bible and put some footnotes down there because I've got it all written up. But I was just reading it just this week. What the Lord said to me. Now y'all don't let me forget. I'm, I, well, I'll tell you what. I believe I'm done with Revelation one. I'm coming back to Luke twenty two. But uh, let me let me run over here and just tell you something that the Lord gave me. And um, glory be to God. Lord, where was that? Yeah, I have it. It's right here. But I just want to. Oh, I know where it is, I believe. Hang on here. Yeah. Yeah, I know where it is. I believe I know where it is. Thank you, Lord. Give me just a second. Can y'all tell I'm not in a hurry today? Thank you, Lord. Well, it might be over in 2 Corinthians. Let me get over there real quick. If I don't find it, big deal. I'm having fun in church anyway. Where was that, Lord? Where was that? It's coming up in my spirit. What scripture did I have that written by? It was really ministering to ministers. Oh, I know where it is. Thank you, Lord. Hey, he must have wanted me to go there. He just told me where to go. <laughs> you know where the scripture says in Romans eleven twenty nine, where it says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And the Lord began to talk to me because of our assignment to minister to ministers. And he began to talk to me about this. And uh, the Lord began to deal with, <clears throat> with this in my heart. And he talked to me about this phrase. And I want you to notice what it says in Romans chapter 11, verse 25. He says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. Now, I'm going to point out two or three things here. I know it's not a minister's conference, but the truth is, everybody that's a believer is supposed to be attached to some ministry gift. So you need to understand that the Apostle Paul talked to the church at Corinth specifically about the voices that were coming in affecting the church and pulling them away from from what he had imparted, right? So we have that today more than ever. All these voices... All these voices. Which voice do I follow? Which one do I believe? Right? All these voices. And the Lord began to deal with me about this. Uh, oh, a long time ago. I hadn't even preached this to the preachers yet. It'll come out sometime. But it's coming out here today to the folks that are attached to what should I follow? Who should I follow? Well, you know. And here, and I, and I read that, and the Lord began to talk to me. And now look down to verse 27. For this is my covenant unto them. Do you see that? This is my covenant unto them. Now look at verse 29. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So all of these apply to people that are, have a calling. Well, now the body of Christ itself is the called. So we, 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 the body of Christ itself has a ministry of reconciliation and a call. You're called to do something. And so there are things that are attached to the calling. One of them is, according to verse 27, when you, when you see the context... God has a covenant. God has made a covenant. This is my covenant unto them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
And within two verses, he called them the called, the gifts and calling of God. So God has made a covenant with his called ones. Every ministry gift has a covenant with God. I mean, this is huge. I mean, this is huge, huge to know. And the reason it's huge to know is verse 25. I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own conceits. This is written to folks that are called. He is saying if you're ignorant of the word, you're going to be preaching your own stuff. And it's going to result in the fact that you value your opinion, your eloquent expression, you're building the church in your own ministry the way you think it ought to be done. You're conceited. You're above because you're ignorant of the word and the way that ministry is more than just communication of information. And ministry is more than teaching. Ministry is impartation. And you cannot impart something you don't have. And the only way to get it is spend time with him. Amen. Which is why there's so much preaching on Sunday that carries no power. Because ministers are wise in their own conceits. Now, what, what, what track am I on here? That experience isn't the teacher. What track am I on for? Where, 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 where should I set myself? Huh? In a church that's built on, hey, come, everybody give you testimony because everybody's got a story. Built upon your past? No, sir. Is the church supposed to be built upon your experience? No, sir. Everybody has a story. You're welcome here because everybody's been through something, so let's all commiserate together. Is that the church? No, sir. Or is the church supposed to do something about that past? Is it supposed to deliver you from it? Is it supposed to tell you who you really are so that that past doesn't hang around in your life so strong that it rattles around in there the rest of your life and keeps you from doing what God called you to do? Are you supposed to come out of that past and realize you're a new creature and that you are the righteous of God in Christ? Because I'm just going to tell you, any ministry that's built on a testimony will fall. But every ministry that's built on the Word is here to stay. And it, <laughs> Glory be to God. Are you getting anything? Do you understand what I'm saying? This is huge. It's, it ought to be, you know, it ought to be Bible. B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. But people know so little of the basic instructions. The basic instruction is, if you're a preacher, you ought not be preaching some theory. I had a guy that's wanting me to come to his church, and I don't know, he may be tapping in and watching at some point, but I think he's preaching his own church today, so maybe he's not watching this. I don't know, I just met him, but I just witnessed the spirit on him just the moment I walked up to him, and he stopped me, and he began to ask me, and he had seen the ministry, and they're in Florida. They're wonderful people. I can sense it already. I don't know them except for just that passage, but the Holy Ghost knows everything. And he asked me would I come. I said, absolutely. And, um, and so we'll be going to his church sometime in 2023. But um, he was talking about how he used to, <laughs> he's in Florida now. So you can imagine he was a drug smuggler for the cartel. And of course, then he went around telling, you know, he's, then once he got born again, dramatically saved, he started going in, in, as, as an evangelist telling the story. Now he started this church. And I looked at him and I just laughed because he said, you know, I used to be, he said, I used to be carteled. <laughs> so we were talking about that. And I laughed and I said, well, you know, and he said, but he said, no, but I'm not that anymore. He said, I said, well, it's probably a good thing, you know, for a preacher not to be the cartel anymore. 
<laughs> you know, I said, I have this fond idea that preachers ought to actually be saved before they start preaching. Glory be to God. <laughs> Glory be to God. And that's what I'm talking about right there. I said, that's exactly what I'm talking about right there. You can be wise in your own conceits. And he could have built his church on the fact that he was former cartel. And I've got a story. And that could be his billboard. But it's not. It's the Word. It's the Word that brought him out. And if it'll bring him out from his past, it'll bring you out from your past. We're built on the Word. Glory be to God. Amen. Glory be to God. If it did it for him, it'll do it for you. If he did it for me, it'll do it for you. God is no respecter of persons. Glory to God. We're talking about life-changing stuff here. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I've got it written in this footnote. Of course, you see a bunch of footnotes there, don't you, Austin, right there? But it's right down there, right there. See, see, that, see that little star? Right? I'm talking about ministers. And I said too many ministry gifts are wise in their own conceit. See that? All right, so, so here's the footnote. Well, that was one of them. He saw one of them. Here's, the Lord said to me, ministry will either be conformed to this world or transformed. You need to understand, it's not just Christians that don't need to be conformed to the world. It's ministers. Ministry gifts and callings. That's what's wrong with the church now. I can't even begin to imagine. I just saw something the other day that just not much rocks my world. And I'm, I'm not trying to... Whew, okay, I'm going to be cautious here. I'm not trying to throw rocks. I don't even want you to know who it is. Because if I gave the name, you'd all probably know. But my mouth hit the floor. When they welcomed into their church a political figure, told the whole congregation to vote for him, and their entire platform is as woke as it gets. I'm talking about full-on abortion. Full-on everything. I thought, what has happened to you, my brother? I'm not a political... It's not about politics. It's about telling thousands of people to vote for somebody and try to call those things to be not as though they were because they were calling them into the office and they were just running for the office and calling, I just want to see, you know. And next thing you know, I'm like, what? How? How can you get to that place? Well, when you identify by partisanism, platforms, or racial lines, you'll quickly leave the Bible. I don't vote for any candidate because they're white or black or male or female. It has nothing to do with whether or not they're qualified, in my opinion. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? But I am not going to vote and tell the congregation to vote. You know, this whole thing could get fixed if the Christians that call themselves Christians would just vote the Bible, period. It'd settle everything. Because I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to like what I'm about to say, but I'm just going to tell you this anyway. It's ridiculous for you to vote all Republican just because you think you're Republican. Don't be that stupid. Huh? God's not a Republican. 
God's not a Democrat. God's not even American. He's God. In fact, he deserves to be worshipped as such. Why don't we just worship him in the room right now? Because he's the only one who can fix all of it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lord's going to help us. A lot of the things that you think are going to change the American landscape are not going to be the source that does it. The Lord's already talked to me about a great move that's coming. And there, there, are, there is nothing in our social system that can fix it. It's so broken. You know, I, to, I told people, and, and this is kind of news to a lot of folk, but you wonder when it's news... Did they ever just not know? Did it not ever occur to them? Or did they just really not realize that the undertow of the world has swept them so much into the world's idea? You do realize that when Adam sinned, it damaged the world so bad, it's irreparable. That our job as the church is not to save the ozone. God's going to have to make a new heaven and a new earth. This one's going to just melt. And there's only one thing keeping it afloat now. It would have been long gone. That's the word. And the only one thing will bring the end to it. And that is the preaching of this gospel of the kingdom. And he used these words, for a witness. Which means it's not just trying to convince people to add Jesus into their heart alongside Muhammad. We're talking about witness. We're talking about miracles, signs, and wonders that prove Jesus is the king and there's no room in your heart for any other God but him. He's the son of the living God, not just a good prophet. He's the son of the living God, not just a good teacher. Because they have black leather covered books with gold leaf pages that have do's and don'ts. They got a religious system. We don't need to pawn a religious system off on them. They need a living Christ. They, they need the glory be to God. And so this gospel must be preached for a witness. That means, that means it's not just about going and having a message or having a meeting. It's about signs, wonders, and miracles that are so strong that God's kingdom comes in their lives and shakes them out of all of their culture and all the other gods and all the other... And there's coming a move. And I'm telling you, America, it'd it, it take your breath away. If you saw a clock of the debt and how fast it's spinning up because of the, the accrual of the interest that's on the trillions of our national debt. It is absolutely so runaway, it'll take your breath away. It is impossible. It's going so fast. If you could see it, if I just had a clock up here to show it to you. We are so irreversibly in debt that this whole system is so broken it can't be fixed. So don't talk to me about balancing the budget. One year of balancing the budget with one president ain't going to fix $32 trillion and which will be, you know, $40 trillion by year. That's right. 
No. We are not here for that. This was coming because of the decisions of men. Can it be reversed? You bet. One thing will stop it. A great and mighty glorious awakening of revival across this land. And it's time for us to put our energy in it. It's time for us to understand it's harvest time. Glory to God, it's harvest time. I said it's harvest time. Glory to God, it's harvest time. In fact, I'm just going to stop right now in the name of Jesus and take authority over something. That if we have anything to do with it, it'll not happen. But I see a dark cloud coming at the planet. And this dark cloud that's coming at the planet, especially our nation, is something that I've been watching and kind of ignoring for a while. But every year it goes, it gets a little closer, and I can sense it in my spirit. It's that gross darkness, and I see people committing mass suicide in droves because they're losing their hope. And I resist that demon right now in Jesus' name. I resist it. It's not coming to your lives. It's not coming to your families. Nobody attached to you is going to get hopeless like that. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we break the back of that demon. That murdering spirit, we break the back of it now in Jesus' name. It's not going to get this generation. I said it's not going to get this generation. I said, I I do hope you read both the last partner letters that I just sent you because one of them, I just literally reread it again and I saw what the Lord said to me and he said to me, Psalm 110.3. Are you ready for this? It's a promise of God for the last days. Psalm 110 verse 3. Look at this. This is huge. I'm going to look at it in the King James and then the Amplified Classic. Psalm 110 verse 3. He says, thy people shall be willing. Uh Oh, come on now. Thy people shall be willing. In the day of thy power. Glory to God. It's the day of his power. He's about to show up and show out. And he's going to find the people that are willing to flow with that power. He's going to find the people that are willing to, to go upstream and buck the tide and, 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 and resist this Antichrist demon and say, no, 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 this isn't right. This is not God. This is not, doesn't belong in the church. Glory be to God. The church is the answer for this hour. The church is the answer for this darkness. Glory be to God. And right here in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, look at that last phrase, thou hast the dew of thy youth. One, the idea of the Hebrew is your young men like the freshness of the dawn, like the dew on the morning grass are going to come alive in their strength and be willing to serve you in the day of your power. I'm telling you, there's a great move amongst the young young generation. There's a great move amongst your generation. You are the answer to this hour. It's the hour of power. It's the day of power. And you're the one supposed to be carrying it. Glory be to God. But you got to get willing. You got to quit running your own way. And you got to realize and wake up a little bit and understand God has something big for you to do. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. I'm all in. As for me and my house, I'm all in. Glory be to God. I'm all in. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Look at this in the Amplified Classic right now. I want to pray over you real quick. Your people will offer themselves willingly. Your people will offer themselves willingly in the day of your power. Your people will offer themselves willingly in the day of your power. 
And as far as I'm concerned, my children and my children's children and the, and the spiritual sons and the spiritual daughters, this is what they're going to do. They're going to be dressed in the beauty of holiness. They're literally going to present themselves to God and say, I'm willing and holy array. There's a birthing out of the womb of the morning of young men and women, glory to God, that are going to spring forth. You see it? They're going to spring forth like the morning do. Suddenly, I'm telling you, it's going to, some of this is going to start in 2023. I can feel it. I can feel it. I know it. I studied. I wasn't alive then, but I studied the Healing Waters Movement. And that great healing revival that was birthed in 1947 and lasted to 58, I see it in my spirit. The same thing that moved a generation is hanging right over our heads right now. We're about ready to go into a move of God. I lived through the charismatic movement. I'm telling you, when I saw the Holy Ghost move as an 18-year-old boy, I came out of that mess of that dead religion, and I saw there is a God who is alive. The Bible does work. It made me hungry, glory to God. And I remember the hunger. I remember what it was like. I remember houses so full of teaching the Word of God, you couldn't stuff another person in that house. The charismatic renewal came, and it swept, and it birthed a generation. The Jesus movement came, and it swept, and it birthed a generation. I'm telling you, by the Holy Ghost, you better listen to me. I've lived to this day. This is our day. We've only just begun. No matter the darkness, no matter what else, there is a move hanging in the air and the Holy Ghost wants His church back. The Holy Ghost wants His people back. So it's not time to grieve. It's not time to mourn. It's time to stand up and rejoice and say, this is my day. My time is at hand. I've been born for just this hour. It belongs to me. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Can you give a Lord a shout in the house? Glory to God. Woo! Glory. If I didn't know, and I see it by the Spirit today, if I didn't know something was happening, I'm talking about in the unseen, I can see it right here, this moment, this congregation, all over the internet, people watching. If I didn't know in the unseen, something was ripping through the room. I'd just say, whoa, look what the Lord has done this morning. I've been preaching and hadn't even got to the, some of those texts. If I didn't know, glory to God. I'd just say, whoa, we've done what we came to do today. And really we have. I mean, really in a lot of ways we have. It's why your inner man's standing up. But I really believe right now that your inner man's standing up because that had to be preached to get your inner man standing up. So he can ultimately preach some things. So he's opening up. He's breaking up the foul ground. He's opening up the hearts and minds of people. He's getting them out of their selves so they can hear. So they can actually hear. He's slapping them awake. Glory be to God. And I'm thankful for it. I said, I'm thankful for it. And I'm thankful for it. Now, I'm going to allot myself a specific amount of time. And it's shorter than 10 minutes. That's all I'm going to say. But I want you to give me those few minutes. I'm going to ask you to be seated. And open your heart here for a second. Glory to God. This is so big. This is so big. Because it is coming. And it's coming in your life in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory be to God. Yeah, 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 I'll do that. I'll do that. Uh, <clears throat> glory to God. Now look what it says here. In Luke 22, let's go back where we were. It seems to me I might not get back here, so we want to finish this now. 
in Luke 22, he says, and this is where we kind of begin to follow this other track. I said, do you have the spiritual guts, spiritual fortitude to believe this? Remember me saying that? Notice what Jesus said. Let's back up verse 28. You are they which have continued with me in my temptation. Yes, sir. Now the point is, he's an ever-living faithful high priest. Yes, that no matter what's coming at you, he's going to help you. If you're to stick with him, you're going to come out of this yes, I am. solid and firm, solid. dust settled, smelling like a rose, but you have to stick with him. And I point, look now, and I point unto you, this is what I said, you want to have spiritual guts to believe. Yes. And I point unto you a kingdom as my Father has appointed unto me. Now, I want you, I want you to look at it and in your mind and heart. Read it one more time, that first half of that verse. You know what your mind wants to say? I pointed you to a kingdom. That's what your mind wants it to say. Because almost nobody in the room has enough spiritual capacity to believe that I'm not appointed to a kingdom. He's appointed a kingdom to me. That statement, Jesus in that statement, literally just made you equal to himself. No wonder Satan was doing everything he could to separate those boys from him. Because Jesus is going to reproduce himself in them. And the world is going to shake with their anointings. So Satan wants to stop them at all costs. Do you see what's happening here? This is how Peter and John walked through the gate beautiful. The same gate Jesus had been through and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise and walk. And I mean, huh? This is how. Peter's no longer self-preservation-minded, denial-minded, scaredy-cat Peter, but he gets full of the Holy Ghost and stands up in the face of all the Sanhedrin and all the Sadducees, Pharisees, and everybody that's there and preaches the risen Christ to nations that are represented in the street and 3,000 people get born again, pricked to the heart and filled with the Holy Ghost like that, and the church is born. Is this the same guy that said, Oh, no, Jesus, this can't happen to you. No, it's not the same guy. Turned him into another man. Delivered him from that self-preservation, scaredy-cat demon that he didn't know he was listening to. And it'll do the same thing in you and me. But this is what I want to show you because we were dealing with Judas and predestination and all that. Do you remember? Yes, sir. Notice what he said here. <clears throat> so he said that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Glory to God. Woo-wee! And sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Wow. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired, you see the italics there? Yes, sir. To have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. You know, you can read that in the King James, and it looks like because he's addressing Simon, that he's the only one Satan had requested. Oh, no. But that's not correct. No, sir, it's not. 
And that's the point I wanted to make to you about Judas. It can look in the King James like Judas, who was a traitor. But he wasn't a traitor when he was chosen. He became one. And here's how he became it. We're going to look at it. Here's how he became a traitor. Because the number one one that Satan really wanted was Peter. Are you listening to me? Now look at this. Back up here in verse 31, Amplified Classic. Are you ready? Simon, Simon, Peter, listen. Satan has asked excessively. Look now. That what? All of you be given up to him out of the power and the keeping of God that he might sift all of you like grain. So what was he doing? Satan was looking for a way in. Who's going to make the choice to give him place? Who's going to make the choice that's going to open the door? And the whole reason he addressed Peter is because Peter had already manifested. He had some self-preservation. So there was a hook there Satan started working on. The difference between Peter and Judas is Peter denied him because he had a moment of weakness in the flesh, but his heart didn't betray him. Judas got filled with a demon because he took communion unworthily because he had already decided in his heart. Are you listening to me? And he was tempting every one of them. They were all tempted. It says here right here. You are they which have continued with me in my temptations. Well, it said, and so Jesus, when he washed their feet in in John 13, it says that he knowing all things, he knowing all things, he'd come from the Father, was going back to the Father, and he knew everything, and he washed their feet and all that. It said, uh, you are all clean, but not all of you. Remember when he washed Peter's feet? There's a reason it was Peter. Not my feet only, Lord, but my hands and my head, because Peter still had all that issue. See, Peter is still dealing with his uncleanness in his own conscience. Are you with me? He said, if I've washed any part of you, you're every whit clean. And he said, you're all clean, but not all of you. And he said that knowing, said that about Judas. Because he knew by what had manifested who should betray him. It does not, but you see, we think Jesus is the Son of God. He just knows everything. Well, if he just knows everything, if everything, I mean, if he's so omniscient, then that means he didn't work his miracles as a man. He worked them as God. He just knew everything. He never had to make a decision. He was never really tempted because God can't be tempted. So, so I guess God lied about Satan tempting him. And see, you've got all these issues if you don't believe the Bible. You understand? You've got to let the Bible speak for itself. Jesus laid down. He never ceased to be God. He was sinless, but he laid down his right as God, and he took on the seed of Abraham, and he fulfilled his ministry as a man, sinless man, anointed by God under that old covenant. And so had he known everything, he would have known that woman and who touched him in that crowd, but he didn't. He said, oh, virtue went out of me. Who touched me? He was not aware she was coming. He didn't know she was coming. He didn't know who it was. Are you following me? But you see how this doctrine of sovereignty will totally destroy the workings of the Spirit in your mind? So what we get in our mind is, he, he said, have I not chosen you 12? Remember him saying that? Jesus said, have I not chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? 
Now think about what he just said. You know, I'll give you an example. It's fill in the blanks is what people do. The rich young ruler is a great example where it says, sell all you have and give to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven. Take up your cross, follow me, and so forth. Everybody thinks that Jesus told him to give it all to the poor. That is not what he said. He did not say that. He said, sell, liquidate your assets and give to the poor. He didn't say give it all to the poor. He said give to the poor. He's just trying to break his trust in the finances, get him on the giving side, come take up your cross and follow me so he can qualify to step into the real riches, which is the apostolic office he was called to. And, Trish, and he trusted them so much they had him. He didn't tell him to give it all away. He was liquidating him so he could go on the road with Jesus and, and probably, probably be Judas's replacement. So we read into this, see. The false doctrine of sovereignty makes us think that we know what Jesus meant when he said it. Have I not chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? Nothing about that says he knew which one it was. Are you listening to me? Yes, Nothing about that statement says he knew which one it was. Not only that, how did he know one of them was? Because he had read Psalm 40, and he knew whatever happened was going to happen at the Last Supper because that was the prophecy. He that's dipped in the dish with me has lifted up his heel against me. So God told him, this is my plan for his life. But one of your disciples is going to make a choice. And at the Last Supper, it revealed itself. Because when he said, Satan has asked excessively that he might sift all of you, but I prayed for you, I mean, all of you, that your faith fell not. He's wanted you to take you out of the keeping power of God. So Satan, so Jesus kept all 12 of them until Judas made the choice where it took spiritual authority out of Jesus' hands and he couldn't do anything about his choice. Are you listening to me? Is anybody in the room listening to me? Yes, sir. I'm not going to tell you who it was. It doesn't matter. It has no, no bearing on it whatsoever. You would not know who it was. So it doesn't matter. But I was in Florida vacationing with my wife and I was praying and had been praying now for a long time over somebody very, very close to our hearts that, you know, we've traveled in six continents and we've got deep, close relationships, partner relationships, even people called to ministry all over the world now. So do you no good to try to figure out who this is? But we were in Florida and I was praying for this person and I saw the choices they were making and I could feel it in here. And I was trying to get it turned. Are you listening to me? Yes, sir. Anybody listening to me? Glory to God. Yeah, we <sighs> Worship team, come up here real quick. I really want to get into some other things, but I promised, and I'm going to keep my word. I'll finish this. While they're coming, let me finish this here. And I sat straight up in bed early in the morning. We were in Florida, actually, actually Alabama at that time. Gulf Shores, Alabama is where we were. It's about 1.30 in the morning. And I woke up out of a sleep. And I sat straight up in bed about 1.30 in the morning. And I screamed so much. It startled Lori. And she shook, shook her awake. Went, ah! 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 
when I sat up in bed, I had an open vision, and I saw the person. I saw the room they were in. Uh, I could almost take you to the place. And I saw the decision they made. And they were by themselves. They had, and uh, it took my breath away. I just screamed out, no, no, don't do it, no, God, don't do it, don't do it, no. And the Lord said to me, they just committed spiritual suicide. I had never even heard that term. They made a decision. They were mature enough to know what they were doing and made a decision that they couldn't come back from. So I have firsthand experience on several occasions that when people make certain decisions, you can try to cover them all you want or change it or get in there and intercede for them, but you can't turn it because God doesn't give you that authority. And it wasn't very long. Way too early. They were in heaven, actually. So what happened is they didn't die physically first. They died spiritually because they made a choice they couldn't come back from. Well, killed their body. Are you listening to me? And there's nothing I can do about it. I'm not trying to get down here, but I mean, just I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is these are sobering times, and we can't afford to just rock along and come and go from church like God's in control. Because if that's your attitude, there's going to be some ugly things happening. You're just going to let it happen because you think somehow God's in control of it. But no, he's not. No, he's not. We have authority to deal with this thing. We have decisions to make. And there's fruit on the other end of those decisions. Decisions determine direction and directions determine destination. And we can make heavenly decisions. We can choose life. Glory to God. We can say, as for me and my house, it won't be that way. Glory be to God. And it's not going to be that way with me for sure. Glory be to God. 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 I feel some things turning in the room. I can sense it. The Lord told me in 2022 there'd be testaments of the turnaround. There'd be some turnarounds happening, some supernatural turnarounds. I don't know what's happening, but I can sense that the reason the Lord took me this direction is the covering and the keeping power. Come on now, I need you to stay with me for a second. Stand on your feet. I need you to stay with me for a second. I, I've just preached long enough. No, are you done? No, I'm coming back here at 6 tonight and talk about righteousness. Yes, sir. And you need to be back. We're going to stream it, but you need to be back. I want to pour in my heart, get your heart so full of righteousness that you understand there's a faith-righteousness connection. And it's how you build the ark of safety for you and your family. Let me talk to you about the inheritance of righteousness as I close. Come on up here and plant that seed. The altar's open. Glory be to God. I saw her coming. I don't want to stop anybody from planting their seed. Glory to God. We're under an open heaven. Thanks be to God. And he's the God of the hundredfold. He wants to bless you. There's harvests that are coming your direction. Will you put this up in the Amplified Classic, Hebrews eleven seven? I guess I preached long enough I can at least say I got to the opening scripture. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. 
But I want you to know there is a righteousness faith connection. It began in Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. You need to understand that there's one thing that will fix your heart and your faith so they can get fully persuaded and one thing only in the kingdom that has the dominion to change everything else and fix you where you're immovable and it is the revelation of righteousness that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Glory be to God. I really want to encourage you today. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Righteousness is the gap. You know, today you buy a vehicle and uh, they get a little concerned that you've overpaid for it so they sell you gap insurance. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You might, because by the time you drive it off the lot, it you know, falls off the cliff and depreciates. So now the vehicle is worth several thousand dollars left than when you signed the paper about 10 minutes ago. And so if, if somehow something happened, somebody T-boned it and totaled it, by the time you drive off the lot before you could even get home, uh, replacement insurance won't even cover the cost you just paid because there's a gap in there. Why? Because the vehicle fell short of its appraised value. Are you hearing me? You understand what's going on here? So there's gap insurance, something to make up the gap. That's what righteousness is. Glory to God. We were given a gift. Hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. From where we ought to be to where we are, He's the gap bridger. Glory to God. It's what takes care of all the falling shorts in my life. Glory to God. Amen. I sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. But righteousness bridges that gap. There's three things I was going to deal with today, and so I just have to deal with them tonight. It says in Romans chapter 3, verse 25 and 26, it says that we were declared the righteousness of God. And because we were declared to be righteous, it's our now season. And he talked about faith in his blood is what does it. He said faith in his blood. Listen, faith in his blood for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Say it out loud. Faith in his blood for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. What that means is, is that righteousness, when you get a revelation of it, will finally and absolutely destroy any and everything about your past and the consequences thereof. If you are trying to get past your past, then you want to be here tonight and get righteousness in your spirit. If you still got some shame and some guilt and anything you're dealing with, you need to know that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. And it'll do more for your faith than anything else you can learn. It will fix you where you can get so fully persuaded that it doesn't matter about my past, the promise is still available. It doesn't matter about my past, it's not what I did, it's what he did. It doesn't matter about my past, this is the year my dreams come true. Nothing matters about how long it's been, he's the God of creation. I want you to know that we were made, say made, made the righteousness of God in Christ. We are on the cusp of the greatest move of creative miracles. Talk about the maimed being made whole. Body parts are coming in people's lives. We, and I've seen it happen here and there around the world all these years, and God's been so good to prove it. And our life in ministry, personally, I've seen it. But I'm telling you, there's coming a move 
a mighty move like the healing waters move, a mighty move like the Jesus movement, a mighty move like the charismatic movement. I can see it hanging over the earth, and I'm telling you by the Spirit, there's coming a move of creative miracles, the likes of which we've not seen in our lifetime. I feel it in here, and it's why he's getting the body of Christ ready, because to handle that kind of an anointing, you got to believe it's right. You got to believe it's coming. You got to believe that it's right that he would use you. And when he says you were made the righteousness of God, I want you to hear this, my brother. He who knew no sin was made to be sin. That you and I, we might be made, 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 made. We were made. We were made it. God made us the righteousness of God. He made us to be that. He created me to be that. It was ground zero of all creative power. My new creation, I was created in righteousness. So there's no way the body of Christ can believe for creative miracles in a body if they can't even believe that their spirit was recreated. Are you hearing me? So the revelation of righteousness is the double door and the flowing and the glory of creative miracles. If he'd do it for my eternal destiny, surely he would heal a body part that would help me fill out a few years. Oh, come on now. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, I'm so glad. So let's read this. Let's read this. Hebrews eleven seven. Glory to God. Prompted by faith. See, there's a faith of righteousness connection. When you get a revelation of righteousness, do something about your faith. Abraham, Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for right. That was the birth of all this. So Abraham's faith is connected directly to a revelation of righteousness. If righteousness gets imparted to me, my faith will work. I'll know it's right for my faith to do the impossible. I'm not waiting on God to do it. Have the God kind of faith. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe what he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. That means the mountain moves because I spoke to it. Why? Because I know it's right. I know I have authority. I know it's dominion. I know it's the right way to live in God. Nobody's going to speak to their mountain that they don't believe they have a right to move that thing. If you're sitting around waiting on God to move it, you're behind the curve. Forget it. You've got to come on up and understand God made you righteous so you could move that mountain. Glory be to God. you got authority over that thing. You got authority over these weapons. You got authority over these demons. And the righteousness will speak. Your righteousness will answer it. When the mountain says, I'm not moving, righteousness answers it. When the times say you're going to be judged, righteousness will build an ark. It'll rise you above judgment. It'll cause you to ride high on the flood waters of judgment. Glory be to God. Woo! Woo! Glory to God. 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 And the reason you got to get this down in your heart is because Satan's roaming as a roaring lion. It will cause you to, to come to a place where you will give him no place. No place in your conscience. No place in your thinking. Because he doesn't belong there. Because you are not how you feel about yourself. You are not what you think about yourself. You are what he says about you. You are the righteous of God in Christ. I, he's the prince of the kings of the earth. He's made us a kingdom of priests unto God. He's washed us in his own blood. Say it, I'm washed. I'm cleansed. I'm redeemed. I'm restored. 
I'm renewed. I have an advocate. Glory to God. My past is gone. All things are brand new. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Glory to God. Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. We're going to worship a little bit here. Let's read this. Prompted by faith Noah, being forewarned by God concerning events of which as yet there was no visible sign, took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark. Glory to God. Woo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> An ark for the deliverance of his own family. Are y'all getting this? Yes. By this, that is his faith, which relied on God, he passed judgment and sentence on the world's unbelief. Glory be to God. You need to say this right now. I judge, I judge. every area. Of unbelief, of unbelief in my life. In my life. I break his power. I, I am a believer that has no place in me. I resist unbelief. It's a demon spirit. I'm righteous. It doesn't belong in me. I'm a believer. I judge that unbelief. I'm well on my way soon and very soon to be fully persuaded that everything God promised me shall be performed. Glory be to God, hallelujah. There, yeah, glory be to God, hallelujah. I'm not staying over here trying. I'm not staying over here wishing. I'm not staying over here hoping. I'm not staying over here begging. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. It'll be about me like he said it would. I have faith. And a revelation of righteousness is what will fix that. Glory be to God. Do you hear me? Look, he passed judgment and sentence on the world's unbelief yes, and became an heir yes, and possessor of righteousness. Yes, Glory be to God. The righteousness which is by faith. Yes, the righteousness which God puts on the person who has faith. Yes, Glory be to God. <laughs> Say, I have, faith. I have faith. God's putting righteousness on me. God. 